That was FM Attack with Days Like These from the album that he just released, The Never Ending. And uh, as some of us, most of us have heard, that will be FM Attack's final album as FM Attack. But he's not quitting music. He's going to keep pushing on into other genres. All right. Well, I'm glad you joined me tonight. My name is Karen Zoe Lee, and you're listening to Night Ride FM. And tonight I'm going to have Michael Oakley on the show. And why? Because tomorrow he's releasing his album, Odyssey. And we're going to talk more about that when I bring him on. But you know who just released an album? I, I believe it was yesterday. LeBrock with Fuse. And uh, goodness, I have so many favorites off of this. Like Interstellar, but I swear I've played that for you like seven times. But you know what? I've only played this one for you once, and this is Hollow. Perception's everything. Everything you've
was LeBrock with Hollow from their brand new album Fuse out on Bandcamp now through Fix Neon. Check them out. They're one of my favorites. Coming up next, this song landed uh, the fourth spot on New Retrowave's 25, top 25 playlist. This is System Glitch with Young and Wild and Free.
that was System Glitch with Young and Wild and Free. And uh, on the saxophone there, that was Jesse Malloy of uh, the Midnight Touring Crew. <laughs> and that song will be on uh, System Glitch's album Beyond Stars, which is coming out June 4th. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. And on July 9th, uh, Laura Dre has an album coming out, Moving Spaces. And this is the last single that she released, I Want to Be Your Only One.
That was Laura Dre with I Want to Be Your Only One from her upcoming album Moving Spaces due out July 9th. It's available for pre-order now if you want a cassette or a vinyl or something through uh, Outland Recordings. Coming up next, I have a premiere for you. Uh, Bobo. He uh, collabed with Sandor Gavin on this track, If Looks Could Kill. featuring Sandra Gavin on If Looks Could Kill. I love that. Bobo's asleep right now, but I promised I'd play it next Tuesday, too, so he'll be awake then. <laughs> oh, I got, a, I got a message from Peter Zimmerman yesterday. Apparently, Record Club's coming out with a compilation called Power Workout. And uh, there's a lot of great tracks on this, but the artwork on the vinyls, I'm not going to tell you about it. You just have to go to bandcamp.com and find it for yourself. Um, not safe for work, I think I'll just tell you that. You gotta be into nipples and pubes. But I'm gonna play one track that he requested I play by Terra Genesis and Beta Blade called Shredding Spandex. <laughs> Hey! 
And that was Terra Genesis and Beta Blade with Shredding Spandex. And of course, uh, the Power Workout Vinyl has, has all kinds of uh, hits like that. They'll get your blood pumping. So I've got one more for you before Michael Oakley Lavenue <laughs> sent me the Lemon Crush EP ahead of release. And of course, I'm going to play you the titular track Lemon Crush.
That was Lavenue with Lemon Crush from the EP Lemon Crush that will be out Saturday. He's got cassettes and vinyls. You'll love it. Yeah, pick it up. All right. Now time for Michael Oakley. But of course, I'm going to play us in with a song. Is there anybody out there? The John Campbell Radio Edit.
And that was Is Anybody Out There by Michael Oakley. And uh, joining me tonight is, of course, Michael Oakley. Once again, thank you. Wow. Yeah. Big applause. Big cheers. Woo. Woo. <laughs> 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 wow. wow what 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 an entrance <laughs> you want me to cut in some audience uh, yeah let's do it <laughs> and cue end applause <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh my so this is your third time on my show you're the only guest i've had three times already I know, I know. So it's, uh, well, you know, as, as, as long as there's something new to talk about, I guess, <laughs> then there's something new for the people to hear. <laughs> yeah, well, last time I had you on, uh, you had just released the single Queen of Hearts. Mm. And uh, yeah, we were anticipating this album already, which is going to be released tomorrow. Mm, yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so that would have been last year. Was it March that Queen of Hearts came out, I think? March, so March last year, I, I believe. And it was funny because I just I, I ended up re- releasing that because um, I was thinking ahead with you know all of the annoyance of COVID and whatnot that I would probably now get a longer period of time to, to sort of work on and develop more ideas that I wanted to kind of flirt with and play around with. And so I thought I'll just release one just now because I was aware I'm not going to be releasing anything else until you know when the album was finished so i thought mm-hmm. it'd be nice to just put something out there just to kind of bridge that gap i don't know i i, I always feel a little bit anxious because it's sort of like every time i'm working on a new album I, i'm always pushing for a sort of new different kind of sound so there's a there's a little bit of maybe testing the water a little bit maybe just to see what the reaction is i suppose but that's just like musician insecurity <laughs> we all have it <laughs> Well, that's how you keep growing, right? Well, exactly. I, I think if if you're not anxious about what you're doing, then you don't care enough. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I did know though. In relation to Queen of Hearts, you also came out with that that song with Ollie. Wake up. That was unexpected, actually. Do, do you know the funny thing is when I started coming up with ideas for um, for Odyssey, uh, Wake Up was the first demo. That was the first track. It was the first track, like it's funny because when you start to come up with ideas, um, usually the first four or five you sort of throw away because they're just, you're you're experimenting, you don't really know what you're doing, you're just kind of feeling around and you're almost treading old ground to sort of realize that that's what you're doing and then you throw it all out and then you do something completely like off the wall and then you realize that's, that's not where I want to go and then then you land somewhere in the middle and and uh, Wake Up was the first track that I did that I can remember when I was doing it I I was downstairs actually my studio was downstairs in the basement and uh, it all started with this one drum loop that I had found that's at the very beginning of the track and uh, and I just started to build a whole drum arrangement around it, the little arp and the chords, and it just it was all in one afternoon that I had pretty much come up with that whole musical arrangement and background. I was like, oh my god, this is this is exactly what I had in mind because it was funny because I had the, I had this idea of Total Africa meets Billy Joel. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> <laughs> I love both of those songs. So yes. I want something to have a little bit of that kind of, you know, mid-80s AOR kind of rock sort of pop sound that I love. You know, you get with 
Phil Collins, Billy Joel, like I say, We Didn't Start the Fire, Toto Africa, Cutting Crew as well, Wang Chung. You know, just a little bit of that kind of more. The drums on that track are the most real sounding drums that I've ever used in a track before and percussion. So yeah, that was the first track that I had got together, finished and then just left it was going to come back to it later and then I got I got offered the chance to do uh, a song for a video game soundtrack called Wave Break and it was kind of funny cuz <laughs> I was like oh yeah yeah cool 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 and you're just like okay and then obviously they fling money at you and you're like oh yeah yeah cool cool <laughs> and, then, and then it got it got to like nearer the deadline and I was like oh fuck <laughs> what am I what am I going to do and then uh, I had I had obviously messaged Ollie and I said, "Look, you want to do this together? We'll just we'll we'll, we'll make a track for this um, for this uh, video game." And uh, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." And so I said, "Look, I think I've got something here." And I sent him I sent him over the uh, the music for Wake Up, and I said, "What do you think?" And he said, "Yeah, that 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 will work." And so I left it with him, and then he he came back to me with the. Uh, with the lyrics and the, and the melody line and and we just did it as like a, 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 a I hate to say duet because it sort of sounds a little bit weird when two guys duet if you know what I mean it, it was more of a collaboration I guess with both of us singing because I sing in the verses and then Ollie sings in the chorus yeah it was kind of funny how that whole thing came about you know I was quite happy with like how obviously it turned out in the end you know because I, I did sort of say to him look I'm trying to do something that sounds a bit you know, Toto Africa and Billy Joe, we didn't start the fire. And then, you know, Ollie was like, leave it with me. <laughs> and, I, and I had sent the track to, to the game guys as well, the guys that make uh, Wave Break and uh, Funktronic Labs. And and they, uh, they they came back to me immediately. And, I, I, you know, I did say to them, I said, you know, this, this kind of reminds me a bit like driving around in Grand Theft Auto. So I felt like this would be perfect for this kind of soundtrack, you know, because I expect... A lot of the other tracks to sound quintessentially synthwave sounding if that's the direction you've went in so i'm going to offer you something a little bit more grand theft auto vice city with this and they were they were all over it they were like absolutely love this can't wait to get this and then the problem with covid was i couldn't get in to do the vocals it was like oh shit you know the, the studio's closed and i can't get in to do this and so I, I ended up having to push the deadline a week to sort of get in and do the do, do all the vocals and mix and master it all it was like fucking hell <laughs> but long story short we got there in the end <laughs> yeah i didn't realize that that one was going to be on the album too mm. i felt I was very happy that the song was was on the uh, was in the video game. That was a wonderful opportunity, and it was something that I've always wanted to do. Actually, I've always wanted to have my music, you know, in a video game or a TV show or a, or a movie. I mean, that it's anybody's dream. You know what I mean? It's it's just one of those nice things that you think, oh man, you know, it's one in a one in a million that happened for. And so I was really happy at that. But I did feel somewhat that this that, that because of that that the song maybe was done a little bit of a disservice because because it's associated with with a video game and and the artwork obviously was was of the character of the video game i almost felt like because of that it was very closely al aligned with that and i felt like you know i'd like to give this song a, another lease of life without the attachment 
to you know the game graphics or you know the artwork from that i'd like it to be taken as one of the songs as part of my body of work which is what it is it's a song that had been written uh, intentioned for odyssey so I, I just i really i had to contact the game developers and they, they were really they were great actually they, they gave their blessing for me to to, to use it on the album and I did explain to them I said you know I just feel it's important that, that this song stands equally in my canon of work as much as it stands in respect to the video game so I, I you know I, I really did sort of go with my begging bowl to kind of ask if they would be okay with that so so I'm just I'm really happy that it's it's now on Odyssey. No I'm glad you did I, I wake up to that song every morning at seven. Boom <laughs> Well, I mean, it's not really a pun because that's exactly why I wake up to it. Because it's called "Wake Up." And, uh... <laughs> Stop that! <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ollie's again a main fixture of um, of Odyssey. Just just like on introspect, only you know this time I've credited him on you know on the the album as the whole album except for the intro track because um, it's an instrumental and the album is credited as written by Michael Oakley and Ollie Ride because it would just be you know it'd be it would be remiss of me to sort of and and disrespectful I think if I was just to sort of credit him like try and credit him specifically because it's not enough to say melody and, and lyrics here and there with things or or if he's t- taken point on all of that um, because he's done so much more than that is you know we've been we've been talking about these songs for months and we've been you know i've been sending him demos of the tracks and he's been giving me you know pointers on you know maybe we should extend this verse here and and we can develop the story here you know or maybe you should cut this part of the song down here um you know he's, he's definitely been way way more than just um just just helping me with lyrics and melodies he's definitely um been a crucial part of of the overall album but i wanted that you know I, I just i love working with ollie i think he's the best songwriter in the in the scene we're very very lucky to have him and i'm very lucky to get the chance to work with him and while that is an option for me that's something that i'd, I'd, I'd continue with you know i am very loyal to to keeping the same team the keep the, the same band of uh, <laughs> the band of hero misfits together well <laughs> you know unless they you know they they move in another direction and they you know they got off that train at that stop you know you just never know but but i'm just so grateful that we've been getting to work together again on this i i think probably because we've chatted about it it's funny because even ollie said this to me he said you know if, if you were to continue he said doing kind of very sort of synth wavy sounding stuff as in you know the kind of over plagiarized sort of same old stuff he, he did say to me he said you know I, I i don't think we'd still be, be working together um i think that you know that would have probably you know after introspect would have been where that journey would have ended but because i guess you could say the type of music that i write i i always say it's a michael oakley album but you know if you want to break it down there's more elements of synth pop there are synth wave elements but that is um it's more i love some of the production elements I like modern stuff as well. I like mid '80s stuff that's like John Hughes movie soundtrack stuff. I don't know. It's hard for me to pinpoint what it is about my sound that I do. I, I, I just do it, you know. I just I just go wherever my interest 
takes me, I suppose. But I think probably I'm always bringing him something different to work with. I think probably for a writer, it's it's probably you want to be challenged, don't you? You know, you, you when a demo lands on your on your doorstep, you you kind of want to be like, ah, oh, I wasn't expecting that. You know, you want to be pleasantly surprised. And I, I I would hope. I think that I do that with Ollie. I think that the, the ideas that I bring to him are always different. There's never the same type of idea twice.
John Campbell's a huge fixture on the album as well with his mix of, of that song, you know, that was and that was uh, quite a wonderful, weird and serendipitous experience. Yeah. I honestly did like both versions. I love both versions too. I I, I think it was something that people have I've seen some comments where people have sort of asked, you know, where's the original version? What's the definitive version? And it's just like, well, John Campbell's version is the definitive version. That's the version. That That is the version that I feel um, gives the best representation of the song and it, and it hits harder than any other version. I think it's the, it feels right. And just the whole way that came about as well. You know, that doesn't happen every day. You know, he came into my life for a reason. He even said to me, he said, you know, I'm supposed to be on tour right now and I would never have the time to be able to do this. So this is, you know, even he says that this is meant to be because <laughs> he, he found a message that I had sent him a couple of years ago and I had asked him for some advice. You know, I was, I was frustrated that none of the Scottish press had... Um, had helped me this far and uh, I asked him for some advice. He didn't see the message until two years later and then he reached out to me and we, we, we got on a, a phone call. Um, we got on really great and we've been talking almost every day <laughs> ever ever since that, you know. We send each other stupid memes and, and talk about, you know, it's funny, we always ask each other random questions like, you know, do you like Wang Chung? You know, do you, <laughs> do you like Gary Newman? What do you think of this song? And we're sort of like always sort of talking about something, so it's it's quite an, it's a wonderful uh, relationship that's kind of built from that and a friendship. You know, he's when he said he was going to do that mix for me, you know, I was very open to it because you know when someone like John Campbell offers to to sort of do that, it, that doesn't happen every day. You know, you you t you take a step back and you say, absolutely, I'm going to see where this goes and. When I heard his version, I remember the moment I put it on and played it, I just was like, oh my God, wow, this is this is immense. This is just, wow, you know, this, this really hits home. All that I'm trying to say in the song, but it has all of the ear candy that I love. It just feels right. But it was kind of funny because when I, I sent him my version, which is that it was the 90s mix, he said he loved it, you know, he said, I, I think this is great, I love the story that you're telling, he said, but it just, it sounds too much like me, if you know <laughs> what I mean, my version sounds like you, and I was like, yeah, you know what, I, I know I know what you mean by that, and, and you're right, it was funny, you know, I think, he, he sort of said to me, you know, I just think that where your version's good, I think that it could hurt you. Really? More, more than help you. Yeah, because I'm a, I am aware that that version of mine sounds very sort of electro EDM. Obviously I chart my own journey and, and you know the fact that I finished that version of the song shows that that's where I was going to go with it but I know what he means by that you know I, 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 I agree with that that you know sometimes the synthwave crowd can be very critical. We've seen it, you and I have seen it and uh, and I, I can understand how my version might have came across as a little too far a stretch into modern territory because there's nothing retro about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a good uh, song, uh, so what? <laughs> yeah, but you know, I can understand, I can totally understand why it might not have got the kind of reaction that I would have hoped for. Whereas when you hear John's version and now you've seen the reaction that it got, it's a stone cold hit. 
you know what I mean? It's a stone cold successful version of the song. It, it it hits home in all the right places. It tells the, it packs the punch of the story. I, I just I love listening to it. It's it's the only time I've ever had a song of mine where when it was finished, I enjoyed listening to it because usually by the time I finished songs, I don't want to hear them again because I'm I'm so saturated. I'm so fed up of hearing it x amount of hundreds of times you know in, in the mixing stage the creation stage and that's the fun part but then when you get to that end stage of mixing and tweaking tiny little increment things and checking double checking getting a second opinion leaving it for a few days coming back to it and you switch from enjoyment listen to critical listen you need some distance you know you you need some uh, space from your music in order to be able to enjoy it, you know, a few weeks to months later, you know? I was worried that's what was happening when you showed me two versions of the song and you weren't sure about your own. Yeah, I, I definitely let a few people hear the two versions just to, to sort of get their thoughts. But, you know, the, unanimously, the, the, the version that was most preferred was, without a doubt, John's version. I knew that was going to be the case anyway, but I think I had to hear that just to to, to be absolute in, in that. But, um, but I feel like something higher was guiding all of that. You know, I really believe there was hands moving the pieces around, you know, higher hands and I guess on a spiritual level. So, I, you know, I was, I felt like I was being guided. And then when you, I think as well, when you see the music video, with with uh, John's version of the song, it's a marriage made in heaven. What made you um, want to keep both versions? Um, probably because I felt like it was the right thing to do. Uh, you know, I had put in so much work on my version that it, it would have been nice to to put it as the B side, as that it was the '90s mix. So if anyone if anyone's curious, you know, what was my version? Well, my version is the it was the 90s mix and I've you know I was happy it still got released it's, it's, it's still got a really great reaction you know mm -hmm. I'm not disappointed with it I, I, I just think I'm all about giving people the best experience as, as a listener and some if that sometimes means that you need to take a step back to allow someone else to collaborate with you in order for for you to shine brighter then do it i'm somebody that I, I i obviously see a lot of comments on on my videos and comments on social media and people telling me oh you know you're great michael you know you're so brilliant all that stuff right and that's nice i love that you know i love seeing that it's a nice ego boost that kind of message makes me feel like i'm doing the right thing it makes me know i'm i'm definitely uh hitting the mark i guess you could say but there is a part of me that's uncomfortable with that because when someone says how great i am i immediately feel a bit sort of like i would be a complete imposter if i didn't acknowledge the other people who were involved and who have helped me and also I would rather people say how great my music is because that includes the people who have collaborated on the, on the music with me and, and I'm very big on that. I think it's so important to give credit to people where credit's due and one way of looking at it is, is that jo it's John's version of the song but the way I sort of look at it is, is that myself and John have collaborated together to make something that has given people a much greater experience of the song and, and that's what's important to me. That's more important to me than anything. It's more important to me than people saying they prefer my version, you know, of the song or 
anything you know i just i want people to enjoy my music and i would do anything to make sure that they have the best chance of having a greater experience with my music no i'm glad you released both i do love both versions you know when people start asking questions you know i was curious how that would go over having him in the in the actual song title as you know his john campbell remix Mm. versus just embedding him in the credits without raising other people's questions about where's the original well i think as well as that you know it's john's work as well you mm -hmm. know it's, that's, and i think again for him to have his name on that is creditation it's something for him to be able to go to his fans and say hey look i did something and and that that's good for me because you know those fans then check out our collaboration the some of them will maybe like my music as well as his version of the song it's you know it's, it's one of those things where you're you're building a larger picture uh, you know I'm, I'm actually honored to actually to have john's name on that because you know john's a guy that when i was a kid growing up he's a hero of mine you know i bought his music as a kid and if i you know when i was like 12 years old and someone said to me at that age, by the way, when you know when you're older, you're gonna get the chance to work with him. I would be like, fuck off, I write, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, but he and here I am, and it's like that's an honor. You know, I think that's probably the difference is, is with, with many people. Like when when you ask someone who would you love to work with, who's your heroes and stuff like that. Well, I've actually been pretty lucky because I've actually got to rub shoulders with and work with the people who are my genuine heroes that's that that's probably the difference is you know i got to work with dana jean phoenix i've said so many times how much a big fan of hers i am there was a time when i was talking to ulrich schnauss and i was friends with him and and this was like in the early days just before he blew up and became massively successful you know we had even talked about him remixing one of my songs we had agreed to, to do that in principle and then that fell through and you know stuff happens but the fact that i got that far with it and you know ulrich schnauss is a massive massive hero of mine he is one of the greatest synthesizer legends ever to to, to walk this earth you know and then john campbell you know absolutely you know he's a hero of mine and i'm i'm now sitting on the other side of, of a collaboration with him and it's just like wow you know I love that single. I, I do love his version. I love your version too. I just no. Oh, hey, we're oh. <laughs> we're lucky we've got we're lucky we've got both. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you released them both. I do like them both. Meeting you tonight. A rare kind of thrill. Dancing in the distance. With no care in the world The players tried the best lines The hyenas with the looks could kill We're synchronized and sacred And I still think about it Nothing stood between us Nothing ever will She said come with me Let's paint the old town red You make it so easy To let loose of myself I feel like I found a place in Babylon 
just Ollie's voice that I heard on that album. I heard Dana Jean Phoenix too, didn't I? Oh, uh, you, I, you know, what, <laughs> what, what more can I say? I just, I love Dana. You know, I absolutely adore her and she's just, she's just the most wonderful soul. And it's funny cause you know, when we, when we did that one track together on introspect, I thought that that would probably be it once in a lifetime sort of opportunity to get to do that and I, and I always had in my mind that you know I would only do one duet like that and if it was going to be with anybody it would be with her and if it wasn't then I just wouldn't do it because she was the only person that I felt like man she is just exactly the the, the voice that I think would like work great with me but I had written that song with her in mind so I mean that literally that song Now I'm Alive was written for her and it's funny because, you know, as uh, mythology would say, there was a moment where if if Dana had said no and that she couldn't do the, the track for whatever reason, Ollie said to me he wanted that track. This was just before we sort of became really good friends and started, like, really seriously working together. I, I had sort of let him hear... The, the demo for it and I, and I know he had came up he said he had some ideas for it but in the end obviously Dana said yes and and, and, I, and, I, and I sort of I, I guess I, I stood firm with that because 
that was my intention was always to have her on that. I mean, how how can I hear that track now without hearing her voice on it? It just you know it was made for her. But it's funny to think you know I wonder what if that was an Ollie Ride track on Thanks in Advance or a standalone single, what would that sound like? I wonder you know it's a, it's one of those what if moments. But yeah, I uh, I had this idea when I when I was approaching you know the new album Odyssey. I I, I thought. I really want a female-centric backing vocal sound to the album. Um, I really want it to have that kind of flavour to it, you know, where there's the male vocal that's the main vocal and then the backing vocals are very female-centric. I just, I love that sound. I feel like it's got a very special sound to it. And the two people I had in mind was Dana Jean Phoenix and Hayley Stewart, Mecha Michael. I, I remember I, I had... Uh, arranged a call with the two of them and I just said to him I said you know long and short of it is you're my girls <laughs> I can't do this with can't do this without you so are you in and they were like absolutely and so I think that my biggest thing with that was making sure to use Dana on the right tracks and to use Haley on the right tracks because they both have a very different sound and there's a couple of tracks where they both come together and you hear them both together on, on a couple of tracks. But the most notable ones is obviously Queen of Hearts is, is Haley because her voice just, Haley's got a very kind of ethereal, ghostly, esoteric kind of voice. She's got a really hauntingly beautiful voice, does Haley. And Dana is your kind of all-round diva. She can sing anything. She really, she can own a song with that performance and so when writing for someone like Dana the world you know the world's your oyster because she can sing anything and make that song her own and so I thought I'll use Haley's voice for the more kind of beautiful textural stuff and I'll let Dana's voice be more of those kind of like diva sort of stabbing sort of background vocals where they really pop out you know, you want them to be soulful and almost gospel sounding a little bit. Yeah, the two the two of them agreed to do that. I was very, very grateful for that. And then with Glasgow Song, that was unexpected because they were really only supposed to be doing harmonies. Both of them do harmonies on that. Dana sent me her vocal that she had tracked and she sings in the pre before the chorus. And when I heard her sing that, I just immediately felt like, you know, this sounds like, like Dana sounds like Glasgow singing back to me. It almost has this, it's, it just felt very kind of like, it just felt right. And, and that was why I, I decided to make her more of a prominent featuring artist on that song because I was like, how could I not? She just sounds amazing on it. And her voice works so well with my voice. And especially when you get to that second chorus, when the harmonies open right up and I went, you know, I had mixed them in to have this kind of Fleetwood Mac kind of effect on the vocals where they're, they're wide, they're spacious. And then when all of the extra harmonies come in halfway through, those are panned a little bit wider so that they have a, a more of an impact effect when they come in. So that was, like I say, that was very unexpected for me having Dana as, as again, once again, it's like a duet and it's, it's um, I think it, if, if anything, like I love Now I'm Alive, but you know, Glasgow songs is, is the most personal song for me on, on Odyssey because, you know, I, I love my country. I, I love Glasgow. I love where I come from. 
I've become way more patriotic since I left. When you live somewhere, you, you know, you sort of take it for granted. You don't really see it. You know, you you you, you can be a little bit fault finding. You, you know, you, you you get into that habit of moaning about all of the things you don't like about where you live. But when you when you leave, you sort of miss those things and you miss a lot of things that you overlooked because it was always right in front of you that you took it for granted. You know, a bit like people here in Canada, you know, whoever lives in Niagara takes for granted the Niagara Falls because it's always there. But for me coming over and seeing that for the first time, it's like, oh man, that's what a sight to behold. And for someone like yourself in Seattle, do you know what I mean? It's, it's like you see that landmark building, you know, as a tourist, it's like, whoa, that's... That's incredible, but if you live there, oh yeah, I see it. I see it every day. Whatever, <laughs> you know, you take it for granted. But yeah, no, Dana getting to work with Dana again was 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 wonderful, and you know, I think this time around, I got to to really know Dana and become really good friends with her because we, you know, we would talk regularly. Whereas with now I'm alive, it was actually. It was when when we did that track together, we really only spoke kind of over email. Whereas with this time around, it was like, oh, here's my number. And I was like, oh, yay, I'm in the Friends Club. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not just confined to emails. I'm not just like relegated to emails. I can now text her if I want to. So you're like, oh, okay, cool. Brilliant. So now now she gets bombarded with my memes. (laughs) For better or worse. (laughs) Oh, dear. So Glasgow song. You showed me a music video. Yes. Are we allowed to talk about that yet? Of course, of course, absolutely. When will you be dropping that? It comes out on the same day as the album drops. Um, oh, Friday, okay. On Friday, yeah. That was such an interesting experience because um, uh, Brad was over here. Obviously, that was good for me because the, there's been a lot of restrictions, whereas commercial filming is allowed to, to go ahead. So we literally filmed two music videos over two days three tech three technically because we did some pickup shots on the third day at linda's family's house my wife linda's family's house and you know they they have a, a really nice barn garage and there's some windows where the light comes through and that's perfect for like black and white noir style filming because it's all about the contrast of darkness and light with those types of, of videos so we did the is there anybody out there video on the sunday at neon demon studios in toronto filmed that all in one afternoon i it was wow. it, honestly by the time i got home i just crashed it, it wasn't physically exhausting it was just mentally exhausting staying on point and making sure everything was right and that we had everything we needed and then driving you know an hour back home and it was just like oh man my brain I'm just ready to to, to fall into bed and I did we, I get back about 9 10 and just went straight to bed and then the following day we woke up and we were meeting Dana over where she was at that time and in, in, uh, there's a place called Paris in Ontario which we drove uh, you know almost an hour over to meet her and that video was quite spontaneous because we filmed that in a in a little cafe, a little European sort of looking cafe. And the funny, you know, the, when you see the video, Dana's wearing a, a beret a hat in the video. That was her idea. And it's funny because, I, you know, I've said this to Brad and I've even said this to Dana. I said, you know, that hat changes the entire feel of the, the whole video. Without that hat... 
I don't think it would have that same lonely sort of melancholic kind of European feel to it. It's so funny how just that one prop can shift the whole mood and dynamic of the of the whole video. And you know, when myself and Brad were cutting the video and looking at it, we both said that we're like, "Wow, you know, those shots of Dana are fantastic. They're so emotive and so emotional, stirring." And especially with the hat, it's so I just I found that quite like, oh my god, she wasn't wearing that hat. I, I just don't think it would have the same impact. She's a real natural on camera as well, and and when we filmed those those scenes um, as well, you know, the, you know, I, I I don't like to get very scripted when I'm doing videos. I like to sort of just go with what feels right, and you know, a, a lot of the time when you're spontaneous. You come up with better results than if it's all scripted and you know you're you're sort of set to a brief. It wasn't quite like that with the Neon Demon Studios uh, set because that was all filmed in this one location. So within the limitations of that space, you have to find the best options. So that was very sort of um, set orientated. So we stuck to that. But with with the Glasgow song video, it was very kind of like this looks better. Let's go over here. You know, there's a mirror on the wall. Let's film me beside the mirror and Dana in the mirror. And what we'll do is we'll, you know, change the perspective for when I'm singing, and then that will sort of change perspective to catch her in the mirror and go out of focus of me into focus with her. And little things like that that I think you only pick up on those things if you're in that spontaneous mode. Oh, that's gorgeous. I'm, I'm glad it's dropping tomorrow. And the fact that the videos are so visually. Well, not just visually, but in every way, they're so different. Yeah, I kind of felt like I had, I had discussions with Brad. You know, we myself and Brad talk a lot about this, and we, we do a lot of pre-planning, pre-discussion when it comes to projects. Um, more so me, because I'm the guy that's like, hey, are you around to talk? <laughs> and then I take, take up a couple of hours of his life <laughs> talking about making the videos and whatnot. But I do think it helps you shape the, the right direction. But we, we did do a lot of talking about that, and, and my first thought was, we're doing a video at Neon Demon Studios with all of the kind of gorgeous, colourful aesthetic. Where do you go after doing a video like that? The only place you can go is to completely throw that out and do the complete opposite. Sirens cut the smoke-filled air
songs that stood out to me was real life i think real life mm. has been stuck in my head more than the others right now mm. the mood of that song seems to be a little darker oh definitely without a doubt it's the most probably ethereal moody sort of track on on the album alongside glasgow song but you know real life is is a lot to do with my apprehension of I guess, adopting any one religion or any sort of thing commitment-wise. Linda's probably been the only person that I would say I've been fully bothy and committed to in in terms of a a relationship, you know, without any insecurity or doubts. But, you know, it's... I always remember Alan Watts, you know, would would talk about how he was a a religion of no religions, that you sort of pick and choose the lessons and the virtues that you like from very different religions and put it on your plate and you sort of form, you know, your your own identity from that. So yeah, I think that's there's a lot to, to sort of do with that. And I have felt probably a little bit of a period of reflection as well in my life, you know, looking I didn't stop for a few years, but then I did stop 
you know, a, a, a few months ago, maybe six months ago, and and I thought a lot about it all, where where I was at, where I had came from, and and then looking ahead, where where I'm going, because obviously I'm in my thirties, and you know, I think in in your thirties is is the time when you have a, a a deep period of reflection, and you sort of realign your priorities in terms of what you think is important to you, because I certainly can speak for myself in that. What was important to me in my twenties is definitely not what's important to me in my thirties. Yeah, I can relate to that. But I became a mother at thirty, so. <laughs> mm. Well, that's a that's a surefire way to um, to to shift your priorities. Absolutely. I mean, I would say a lot of my priorities in my twenties were very shallow. You know, they were very they were, they just were not anything of substance, really. You know, I was chasing silly things that really were not bringing me any happiness and. In a lot of respects, it was other people's ideas of what it was I thought would make me happy. And then when I got to my thirties, definitely after after my mother passed away, I, I I definitely changed a lot after that. That 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 was a big traumatizing event. But you know, not all bad. I don't. I you know, obviously, it's I I, I miss my mother and and you know I still struggle with it but you know that grief changes into something else and and I think after a while you're left to sort of look at how has that changed me for the better bad experiences obviously you hang on to the sort of pain of that a little bit but then you sort of have to get past that and see you know what I I have a better understanding of grief now and and how to be there for other people that, that that are going through something similar and you know maybe be able to sort of be a soft place for them to land and and comfort them you know whereas if i hadn't have went through that then i wouldn't really have the the experience to to be able to fully understand what that's like you know yeah and i know we've had at least a couple friends in the scene who needed to come to you for that Mm. it's i mean i wouldn't like to say i'm an expert on grief or (laughs) (laughs) i'm a professional of grief (laughs) come to me i am your bereavement professional expert (laughs) But I, you know, I feel I do feel like it's something that I can reach out with people to, you know, because because it's something which has been a, a calling card in in my life. You know, I've I've had quite a quite a few bereavements that have been deeply deeply painful and caused caused me to ask very very hard questions, and it's been difficult. You know, you you sometimes wake up and you just don't know how you're going to get through that day. You really don't. You go to bed at night and you think I just. I don't want to wake up. I just, you know, and you, then you do wake up, and you're just like, "Oh my God, I've got a whole day that I need to, I need to find a way to get through this." And life becomes really dark, and and it's hard to get through that. You know, you you just you think of that person, and you, all you think about is that big void, that big empty space in your life that that nothing can fill, and every day you're just finding a way to to sort of get through the day and live with it and and it changes you know at the time it's always about the loss itself you know you 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 miss that immediate impact of not being able to to go to that person not being able to call that person and then when you get older and you find a way to sort of live with it i never like to say deal with it because you don't deal with it you you live with it um, you, you start to ask different questions, you know, it's especially especially with, you know, friends that I've had. I just think, you know, that's, that's what I wrote about in Crystal Ships, you know. It's like, you know, 
Sometimes I get this feeling it comes and goes, wonder what my life would be with you here, but I'll never know because it's cold on the outside. I mean, that's that whole thing about, you know, what would our relationship be like now? You know, would, would that person be married? Would they have kids? You know, would we still be friends? You know, would, would we have drifted apart? Would, you know, what would that person have been at my wedding? Would I have been at their wedding? You know, would we call each other at Christmas? You know, that, you, and what would we say to each other? You know, it's things like that that I, I, I think about now is, you know, that I'm in my 30s and dealing with it. Real life is, I guess, a, a, a very much a period of reflection and I, I was feeling quite down actually at the time and I guess that's what the realisation comes down to, you know, getting through life is a struggle, you know, living life day to day with all of its different twists and turns and ups and downs and, uh, you know, a curveball here, a triumphant moment there, you know, a love here, a love lost there, you know, you just have to sort of ride with the changes. So, yeah. Take from that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't know exactly what to make of that song. I mean, I know how I took it as a listener, but mm. yeah, I needed to know where that come from. And I'm sorry that it was that I uh, made you bring all this up again. No, it's all right. I don't mind talking about it for sure. I, I kind of realize now that there was a time when I couldn't talk about it because it just was too upsetting. I, I just avoided it, actually. I just um, I, I just kept myself distracted, and if anyone tried to talk about it, I would sort of dismiss it and so, because it, I could feel myself getting upset about it and whatnot. But now I realise that it's important to talk about it because um, I'm not the only person that's suffering. Uh, you know, I don't have a, a, a patent on grief, shall we say. It's something that we all go through and... And I think it's important to talk about it because some, you know, I remember when I was going through it in, an, in the worst possible way, I wanted to hear other people talk about it so that I could put their words to my emotions in order to feel like there was a voice for me that would that would speak my pain that I couldn't speak for. And that's that's where I guess you know George Michael older album was a big big thing for me. I, I would say that was probably my, my biggest coping mechanism you know when I lost my best friend when I was 15 years old that album was the only thing that I had that was the only thing I had that could give me the words to kind of help me through my pain with that and you know you listen to a song off that album like you have been loved you'll know what I mean you'll know exactly what I mean hmm. it's unusual but I'm 35 years old and I haven't really experienced that kind of grief Mm. Honestly, I'm, I'm nervous about it because in my family, the generations are very tight. I have my grandparents, I have my parents still, and I'm, I'm getting old and I'm wondering how I'm going to handle it differently. Well, you know, I honestly believe that the way that you think it's going to affect you isn't, and in actual fact, you've almost prepared yourself, so you're kind of conscious of it. When my friend died, I didn't really know what to do because I was just still a little dumb teenager, do you know what I mean? So it was very much, I was too emotionally immature to be able to process it anyway. Yeah, but that's a shock though. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was definitely, a, you know, it, it set me off the rails, you know, it definitely was something that set me off on a, on a, a bad road for a while because of that, because I, I refused to deal with it, I didn't know how to. So that was where the song, Is There Anybody Out There? And the story of that comes into play. 
a lot of that was down to me going through grief because you know I was looking for ways to get out my mind in order to sort of you know numb the emotional side of it. The hardest thing for me to deal with when that happened was he was the first person that I ever loved that I never got to tell him that I loved him. That was the that was even now I mean that's something now that I, I could still get upset about because the realization doesn't come until after you've lost them and, and then you're like I love that person I love you I, you know you just like I, and then you realize fuck I never told that person I never told him and yeah he knows now I'm sure but you know it's still it's still a thing where you make it's a strong resolve that makes you realize tell people that you love them of course tell them and in actual fact the one thing again I always try to sort of put a positive spin on this you know there's there's always something good that comes from something bad it's it's about how it shapes you into a better person and how it makes you a softer more compassionate person if that experience hadn't have happened with my friend where i had that realization of i never told him that i loved him and and i and i really did love him he was he was such a, a wonderful person who who looked out for me he was like a big brother to me and when it came around when my mother when when she wasn't well was in hospital and then when she when she passed if that hadn't have happened prior to that then the night before my mother died like i told my mother that i loved her that that night and then the next day she died and i i know that the reason for why i did that was i had a strong feeling of doing that because i had that awareness from the previous experience if you know what i mean mm -hmm. and then as well you know the things I thought I think I probably thought were going to bother me about when my mother died was probably, I don't know. It was just probably I thought I was going to have this immense sort of immediate sort of sort of grief, and 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 I didn't because I was going through a sort of shock with it. I think, and then what hit home was when I was working one night, and then I came home and there was nobody in the house, oh. and my father was out, and the chair where my mother used to sit there was nobody sitting there and, and I would just be sort of sitting with this <laughs> with the cable TV on and it was this emptiness in the house that had, I had never really noticed it was like there was a lot of air in the room and it was very sort of lonely and I just was like ah oh, okay and then that that haunted feeling of being alone in the house and, and that's when it started to change from shock into more of a sadness and more of a you know stages of grief you know you don't realize it when at the time you know you're just in shock and you're like you're getting on with life quite quite the thing and and then something like that happens and then the sadness kicks in and then you start to go through that depressed phase of fuck i've just i've just lost my mother she's not coming back <laughs> you just you you actually sort of you sort of start to sort of accept it you know, we all go through it, and even if you haven't gone through it, you, you will at some stage. And then, you know, when it comes your time, you are going to be someone else's grief. True. And such as this, the cycle of life continues. Yeah. With your friend, though, I mean, it's it's not like teenage boys tell each other they love each other all the time. They definitely no. show it. I'm sure he knew anyway. No, no, of course. I think that's the thing, you know, when you're when you're kids. But you know, I, I have really fond memories with him, and you know, if you think of like movies like Stand by Me and all that type of coming of age movies, whatnot, he he was my coming of age friend. You know, he he was the guy that you know I would go out with to nightclubs. You know, the underage nightclubs that you would go to, and you'd meet girls and. 
you know, you'd be talking to girls from other high schools, and he was the guy that just knew how to talk to them and stuff. And so I, you know, I'm like with this cool guy, and and I'm just a stupid little dork that's like, you know, wearing too much hair gel, you know, dre dressed like a fucking idiot, and and you know, I'm taking points from him, and he's like, look, stop putting so much hair gel in your hair. You look like a fucking wethead. You know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> And then there was one experience with him where I was having a very, very hard day. I can't, I can't remember what happened, but what I remember was, you know, he sat next to me and put his arm around me and he said, look, don't worry about it. You're going to be all right. And come find me later, get the bus and we'll come round to my house and we'll, we'll have a, a good time. We'll hang out. And, you know, kids at that age, you know, 13, 14, they didn't do that. You know, they didn't have that sort of compassionate awareness and he did. And so, I, you know, I, I, I always remember that. Wow. So, yes. <laughs> we, need, we, need, we need to make sure we've got an oxygen tank here because we're, we're a little too deep here. <laughs> <laughs> we've went a little too far beyond 200,000 leagues under the sea. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep some of it. I can <laughs> cut a lot of it. Uh, it's, all, it's, it's all good. You know, you just never know who's going to listen to this and think, you know, I, maybe, I wanted to hear something like that. You never know. You just never know. Pull me in from farthest reaches with an open hand. Let me hear your words of peace to make me whole again. Taking time, reflecting over the years that I've spent.
song to talk about mm. when stars collide the mm. uh, final track on odyssey beautiful yeah that's such a it's such a different track to uh to, to anything else that i've that i've done and uh it's actually a, it's, it's funny because it, it sounds to me a lot more 90s especially that kind of moby play album sort of vibe you know with the mm-hmm. kind of break break beat in it and stuff and when stars collide babylon uh, those those two songs in particular and queen of hearts of course mm-hmm. you know they are they are all three of those songs are um for my wife you know those are love songs that are all about her and about how i feel about her and and you know queen of hearts is is about our meeting mm-hmm. babylon is well the reference the lyric in babylon is a reference to the earliest you know human civilization babylonia and and after leaving heaven the garden of eden all that so it's kind of like the metaphor is the closest to heaven that i can get in this relationship is with her and that's why I, I, I like I like that reference because um, hanging gardens of Babylon, you think of paradise, don't you? You think of of it being bl- blissful, and and that's the way I would describe our relationship. When stars collide is a lot about, of course, it's about her and about us, but the side of that song is is more to do with when someone knows you better than you know yourself. Because I I, I have a tendency to sort of get a little bit introverted in myself and uh, withdrawn, especially when I'm working on music and, you know, sometimes I can be a little selfish and not realise and and then, you know, I have my little bitchy diva moments and, you know, she's always the one that, that is able to sort of pull me out of it and, and sort of bring bring me back into myself, you know, so that's, that's what that song is about. It's beautiful. I, lo- I love your love songs. Well, you know, Introspect only had one. I know, but California too. California, that I think that's why I didn't do any any more of that on introspect because I kind of felt like I had said. I mean, you know, once you've written a certain amount of love songs, you feel like you know, how can I say anything else about this? You know, like what what else can I say here? I've talked about a love that I've lost. I've talked about a love that I've found. I've talked about a love that I'm trying to find and accepting of that i'm losing you know like where do you go it's, it's i think it's always for me that there has to be something that i have to say and you're always looking for a way to to tell that story that's that's right that's that's got substance so i felt like on this album certainly i had 
found the right angles to, to, to be able to, to do that. Yeah, so I, and I felt like she deserved to, to have that kind of tribute written, you know, about her as well. Yeah, I mean, we hear a lot of songs about like new love or breaking up or loving somebody and they don't know it or finding the courage to approach it. And, you know, very rarely do you hear the, uh, the song dedicated to the sustained love. Mm. We've been through that already and we're still together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's like I say, I mean, when stars collide, it's certainly uh, all, all about that. You know, it's, you know from, from the very beginning of it, you know, here I go again, um, letting myself fly too close to the sun. It's, it's that, you know, that's me knowing my little hang-ups and, you know, my little diva moments and knowing that, you know, I set myself up sometimes for, you know, a fall you know, because I get carried away with some things and whatnot, and she's the one that always comes in and grounds me. I'm sort of in that space right now where I'm sort of trying to figure out the direction of the next album and where I would go next. You know, I'm, I'm always thinking about something to do with where I go next. So are you thinking about what's coming up next already? I mean, you haven't started the next album already, have you? No, I haven't started yet, but... Um, I'm going through a little bit of a period of, uh, I guess, a reconnaissance period. Whenever I, whenever I finish a project, I like to basically go through all of my sound banks, my, my synthesizer collection, and I like to uh, delete stuff that I've used and that I have no intention of using. I'm very sort of like, I, I like to lay out the tools that I'm going to use for the project. So on the last album, like, well, I call it the last album, this album, <laughs> <laughs> On Odyssey, you'll hear there's a lot more percussion elements. Mm -hmm. That was a conscious decision. You know, there's the drum sounds that I chose. I decided to move into more modern sort of maybe 90s sounding type stuff because I didn't want to, to go down that road of, of using similar sounds that I used on Introspect and California to a certain degree where it was like drum, drum machines. I, I wanted to move into using definitely more kind of punchy, modern sounding uh, drum sounds so for this you know in my mind right now um i'm sort of imagining that i might do more electronic sounding stuff and um, that's where i'm kind of you know depeche mode violator erasure chorus album just where all the drum sounds are made on analog synthesizers that's that's something that i'm seriously considering but you never know if that's only going to be one or two songs and then i kind of you know i I'm, I'm done with it at that point i never know i come up with all of these um grand ideas and then when i look back in actual fact i i, I didn't really do what i said i was going to do i kind of only took a little bit from it it's kind of funny but but I like to lay down limitations and guardrails for me to, to sort of work within to kind of start to at least move in a direction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the album is gorgeous and I can't wait for everybody else to hear it when it drops tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to, to see the reaction. You know, I'm always nervously excited. It was a, a, a pessimistic optimist, <laughs> Just, you know, because, you know, it's always your sort of... There's an insecurity with musicians, you know, we're, we're very passionate about our work. We, we put a lot of time into it, a lot of emotional energy and care and, mm 
Mm-hmm. And you know when you when you put that out there and you see the reaction, for the most part, I think a lot of people are very excited and positive about it. Um, you get the odd couple of people that are just meanies that just they're, they're looking for an excuse to to fling some shade at you, and and that's fine, you know, in the nicest way. Fuck them, but yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how people react to to this as as a progression from from introspect. I guess in my mind, I sort of see this album as being kind of a bit of a middle ground between California and introspect I guess with more modern 90s influences in there I think well I want to thank you for coming on the show again (laughs) thank you for having me and uh, you're due to be on State of Synth next week aren't you I am yes I am I'm very excited that'll be that'll be fun with all the madness of that it's always uh, interesting when there's a few people on in the same thing you know so same the same bill so I'm sure I'll have fun with Julian and, and Dennis next week, yes. That'll be fun. Well, uh, I'm going to play us out with uh, When Stars Collide. Then. Mm. And thank you again. And, uh, of course, anytime you have a release, we'll be having you on if you'll come. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, thanks to the listeners out there. For Michael Oakley's brand new album dropping tomorrow, Odyssey, uh, this is the final track on there, When Stars Collide. Thank you, and have a good night. Here I go again Letting myself get too close To the sun And when I get so high it Makes me feel alive I forget myself Like birds Yeah.
and bloom I feel that I can 